welcome to Bedside Matters. This is the podcast that addresses the medical issues that impact all of us every single day. And hopefully, we're going to give you the answers you're looking for so you can be more informed and healthier. I'm joined by Dr. David Kipper. Hi, David. Hi, Peter. Hi, Anna Vicino. Hello, hello. And I'm Peter Tilden. And on today's episode, we're going to discuss COVID and Omicron boosters and flu shots because David claims, even though I'm testing negative, that I, that I have COVID right now. Um, we're going to talk about the effects of microdosing since both Anna and producer Laurie are ready to go and do a, a retreat with micro, untested microdosing leaders. <laughs> well, when you make it sound that tempting. By the way, we need a backup for you if you're going to Costa Rica, Laurie. And, and our this just happened second. Dr. Kipper will tell us about the brand new weight loss drug that they are calling a game changer. Uh, also, in our Hey, What About Me segment, we'll be taking a question from you, one of our listeners. And if you have a question, all you have to do is reach out to us at bedsidematters.org with your question, and Dr. Kipper just might answer that question. So how's everybody doing? I, I know how I'm doing. I feel like I have a cold, and every time I say I have a cold, David says, no, you have COVID. Well, I don't have COVID, and so I'm feeling great, and I'm glad that we're not in the same room. So you think just because I, I have all of these symptoms of a cold, I have a headache, I have a runny nose and a little bit of chills, that's COVID, even though I tested negative quite a few times. To quote Anna, everyone is a COVID denier. People don't want to admit that they have COVID. They will list all the symptoms that are specific and then say they tested negative because they tested too early. And they all want to believe they don't have COVID. And this has been true from the very beginning when people were testing and we didn't have much information. But there's something about having COVID that makes people feel inadequate, irresponsible. Well, you have to change your life. You can't go out and you can't mingle with people, you know, and you can't go to Disney Disney World or SeaWorld because you can give 8 million people COVID. That's, Sorry, that's SeaWorld, you're not getting Peter Tilden this weekend. No, and I was just, I was going there to see the SEAL show and I'm so disappointed. But seriously, David, when would I test where I could find out if it's accurate? Because I've taken a couple COVID tests. The best time to test is usually day three. For the first couple days, you don't have enough of the virus in your system to register a positive antigen test. And during that period of time, you have virus and you're infectious. And so you're spreading the virus. And as we've learned throughout this uh, history with COVID, when we first had the initial strains, there was an incubation period of maybe five days. Now the incubation period with these mute mutations are now two days. So they're, they're more contagious. And if you think back to where you were two days before you started your symptoms, you can trace pretty much where you got the illness. The bathroom, the den, and the kitchen. I don't go anywhere. I have no life. Uh, so let's jump into some questions for people that are out there now that don't have COVID but want to avoid it. Anna? Well, I was just going to say, I, I feel confused about the testing process because I know that it, don't you have to test positive in order to get Paxlovid to help reduce the viral load? And if you don't test positive, how can you get your Paxlovid? So how do we deal with that? So this is a big problem. And Paxlovid works best if you start it immediately. It's like all other antivirals, HIV medicine, herpes medicine. And the way these medicines work is by stopping the replication of the virus. So if you take this medicine the minute you have symptoms, which is usually about day two of your illness, you're going to limit the amount of virus in your system that your immune system has to tackle. 
If you wait until you test positive, which might be on the third day or fourth day, by then you have such a huge viral load that the medicine isn't going to be nearly as effective. And in the meantime, you've also waited long enough and infected, therefore, more people. So the trick is to take the Paxlovid as soon as possible. The problem with that is that the guidelines uh, are such that you're not allowed to give the medication until you have a positive test. That has changed in the last three months because what was happening was that the doctors were not prescribing Paxlovid. The pharmacies were filling up with the product, and now they're happy to release the product. And I think more and more people in the medical profession understand this disconnect. Can we talk about boosters, too? Again, people traveling, going out, the holidays are upon us soon, and people wonder, when should I get my booster based on my last booster? Is the new booster shot available? Is it different from previous boosters because it has the twofer for the Omicron? And I'm COVID? waiting for the latest one, and I want to make sure I get the latest one. How do I know? The new booster is different. It's a bivalent shot, meaning that it covers protection for not only the original strains of Omicron, but it also covers the BA4 and 5, which are the newer strains. So it's a much better vaccine. And the timing of this is interesting also to your question, Peter, in that we're going to see about a two to three week period after you are vaccinated or boosted before they become effective. It takes a while for those antibodies to develop. And we're now seeing a onset of flu season. So that complicates this a little bit. So the answer is really depending on when you had your last booster or vaccine, when you were last infected, will determine when you should get this booster. So if you had a vaccination or a booster, you want to wait two months, maybe three months uh, before you get your booster. And I would go immediately at that point to get the booster. If you are looking at the flu vaccine, the flu vaccine covers the annual flu. And the problem with the flu vaccine and the booster is that the symptoms for these viruses are very similar. So you want to get the flu vaccine this year. It's very important. And in 2019, people that got the flu vaccine had a much lower incidence of getting COVID. So we're not really sure oh. how that worked, but there was probably some cross reactivity and, and benefit. So you want to get the flu vaccine. The flu is not coming until the end of the year. So if you were to get your flu vaccine now, it's going to start to wane. After about a month, that vaccine wanes about 15%. So it's about 85% effective. And every month it goes down a little bit. So if you were to take it now, by the time the flu shows up in November, December, January, you're not going to have the same protection. So on the flu vaccine, I would wait until mid to late October. And on the COVID vaccine, I would take this two to three months after your last vaccine or booster. All right. Can I get the, if I do get the flu vaccine at the same time as the COVID shot, is that a problem? Not a problem. You can get them both on the same day, different arms. I'm thinking we take Christmas family photos at the CVS photo booth, and then also everybody gets their double shots. Just an idea. Pictures and shots. Get things done. Another question that I'm asked 
regularly is whether or not you can mix and match these vaccines. And the answer is probably yes, we think that it's safe. However, there might be more of a reaction to a vaccination or, or the booster. If you started out with Pfizer, you should try to get a Pfizer. If you started out with Moderna, you should try to get the Moderna, because there is a little difference between these. Moderna is slightly stronger, has more of uh, an immune reaction. You actually get a slightly better antibody uh, reaction to it, which is good. But if you don't have a choice, it doesn't matter. If you do have a choice, go with the one that you got originally. So it seems like everybody and their brother and their parent is microdosing. And I'm hesitant to, to, to get a sense of if it's valid or not, because I don't know what the research says, David, but I know, I know a lot of people who are doing it. And I know Laurie produced my sister one day. Uh, I'm, I'm going to Costa Rica to on Ayahuasca. What is it? I'm not Ayahuasca. Ayahuasca. Ayahuasca ceremony. for the plant medicine. I'm thinking to myself, so she's going to meet a guy she doesn't know, who has no real accreditation to give her stuff that she has no idea what it is. She's going to take how many ever doses they guess she should be taking. And then they already tell you ahead of time, you're going to throw up. It may be really tough and horrible. And then she's going to come home <laughs> when I go, Laurie, you're a thinking, bright, adult person. Why would you? That's like taking somebody so, so that the subway guy is going to give. A guy on the subway says, I got something that's going to make you feel happy. I mean, I can't believe that, that, that it's so out in the ether that somebody like Laurie, who's well-researched, well, I think would even it's working att for attempt people. this. But is it working, David? So what we're talking about with microdosing, we're talking about two products. We're talking about LSD and we're talking about psilocybin, which is the mushroom form of that psychedelic. We don't have enough evidence yet to completely be confident that it works. However... There are enough studies out there, certainly enough anecdotal studies, that say that it might work and it might be okay, and we're seeing good benefits. It's very interesting. It does not have the same amount of hallucinogenic that the standard ones do. So that's why it's called microdosing. You're getting very small doses. You're also getting doses that are anywhere from one to six doses over a short period of time, a couple months. And what's interesting with these microdosing uh, products is that they have longevity. What we have seen in these initial trials is that you are going to get potential benefits for up to a year with just a short amount of dosing. So it's probably safe. We haven't seen any adverse reactions, and it's probably effective. But we're going to know better after several months. And but you can't recommend. No, but you couldn't recommend. Nobody can endorse it because nobody knows what Laurie's going to be getting, or what Anna's going to be getting, what the dose, what's in it. How do you know what you're getting? Who's giving it to you? And that it should be six or three or five or whatever, and that we don't know that it's just uh, like you said, anecdotal. Well, in Oregon and Colorado, they have things dosed out. You can buy them legally. They do. Mm -hmm. I mean, They're not that I would ever get. take a substance over state lines. I would never do that. So I've Ready never been a mule. Just, I've never been a mule. <laughs> we, by the way, I love that you go to I've never taken medicine over state lines to I've never been a mule. All of a sudden we're talking about <laughs> hiding balloons on a plane trip <laughs> yeah. from Mexico. <laughs> that was a big They'll leap. never take me alive. Wow. 
<laughs> we don't know. You know, I, you know, forget about vetting microdosing, David. I don't think we vetted Anna. No, no, no. I'm basically the, the Scarface of the 49-year-old <laughs> Italian-American women. Uh, all right. So real quickly, David, in, in this week's This Just Happened breaking medical news, they're saying this new weight loss drug shot slash pill is a game changer. And the research shows that people are dropping an average of 35 pounds, depending on their obesity level, et cetera. Is this for real at this point? Is, is there is, a game changer? This is a fantastic game changer. These wow. medicines were developed initially for diabetics, and they work on four systems in the body. They work on the brain to increase the production of a hormone called leptin. Leptin is that hormone that says you're full, get up from the table, get lost. No one listens to their leptin. It works on the liver to inhibit the release of a product called glycogen, which is a storage product for sugar. So if you were stranded on an island and you couldn't find food, your liver will, will release glycogen, which will release sugar into the system, which your body needs. Uh, it works also on the stomach by keeping your stomach expanded a little bit longer after a meal. When your stomach expands, you have a sense of satiety or fullness. But most importantly, it works on the pancreas to create more cells, they're called beta cells, that create insulin. So you have a better insulin delivery system. And the insulin's job is to grab the sugar and convert it to energy. However, if you're obese, you have insulin resistance. It doesn't work. And that oh. sugar ends up going into being converted into fat. And this medicine does work. It's been around, some of them have been around for a couple of years. There's two uh, subcutaneous injections that you take once a week. And there's uh, an oral medicine that's called ribelsis that you take every day. The ribelsis and the the injectables are Osempic and Wagovi, and they're basically all the same in how they work, which is what we just talked about. So the benefit of these products is far beyond just weight loss. It has benefit, obviously, in weight reduction for chronic illness. So diabetes, cancer, heart disease, all of these illnesses that we are prone to are benefited by weight loss. Wow. I will say from me being in the trenches in the low carb community, I hear what doctors are saying to people and people having to find new doctors who aren't advising making any dietary changes or they think that, but it's becoming more and more known. Like if you cut out the processed sugars and grains, it's going to help the situation is, are these drugs intended to just work even though nobody's making a lifestyle change? That's a really great question. And and the answer is yes, but more importantly, one does need to make behavioral changes. But if one was good at making behavioral changes, we wouldn't have this onslaught of diet medicine that we have seen every year for decades, 200 years of diet products. So this is the one I think that works the best. But you're absolutely right. You have to incorporate behavioral change. And may I That's- say, speaking of, speaking of behavioral changes, you may not know this, but our own producer, Who's ready to go to an ayahuasca ceremony? Oh is doing intermittent. Just started Saying doing that intermittent, word again. intermittent. <laughs> just started doing intermittent fasting and has lost quite a bit of weight. Right, Laura? She's yeah. nodding. Lost, yes. She and she has a fabulous manicure as well. Nice manicure. Yeah. 
and a bag of Cheetos. I'm Which, kidding. by so the way, being in the trenches of the low carb community, I'll tell you what, if there is a drug plus lifestyle changes and it's helping things happen faster. I mean, come on, we, we are, we are rats with, with pellets of cocaine and that would be, you know what I mean? If you lose weight and you feel better faster, then you're going to stick with it generally. Right. That's the idea. Your motivation goes way up if you can get started on this and the intermittent fasting, just to mention this, this has also been around for a couple hundred years and you define a period of time in your day, it's usually six to eight hours where you can eat what you want pretty much. Then you don't eat the rest of the day, the rest of that 24 hour period. So your body has a really protracted time to metabolize what you have been eating and it does work. So congratulations. As long as the six hours where you're allowed to eat are not sitting at the buffet at Caesars. <laughs> well, part of, Prime part, rib, of that, part of that issue, Peter, is that when you're eating in a defined period of time, a shortened period of time, right. you actually realize that you're not that hungry, that you fill up quicker. And so the whole idea of people that are doing this, they are already motivated to lose weight and to make that behavioral change. So they're going to be far more receptive and listening to their leptin than otherwise. I think if there's one takeaway from this show today, it's listen to your leptin. We've got a caller, Max, on who wants to ask about monkeypox. Uh, Max, uh, my question about monkeypox for Dr. Kipper is that I have two wonderful gay roommates. Uh, one of them is still going out to gay bars, and one of them is not for fear of getting monkeypox, not sexually, but just touching the services. And so the question off the bat is, well, is one of them in the right? I should stay away from these bars or are they being a little too overly cautious? I think you're right in the sense that there is transmission, obviously, in social context. So it's spread in that regard. So the less you expose yourself to people that might have the monkeypox, is better. There's a 13-day incubation period for this. So unlike COVID or the flu, which is three days of incubating, monkeypox has a longer incubation period, so you're more vulnerable over a period of time when people are asymptomatic. So the less you socialize, the better. And uh, just, you brought up an interesting question, Max, about surfaces. Monkeypox can live on surfaces for a period of time. We've proven that, but what we haven't proven is that you can become infected from that. So you will hear that it's living on your counter, but it doesn't mean you can't touch your counter. Max, do you mind your age? Are you How old are you, if you don't mind me asking? I'm 25. So in, your, in the community of, of college students, 25-year-olds who just post-college, is this a big issue, monkeypox? Because it, it doesn't seem to be as big in other areas, you know, older, older groups. But I know, I just read a huge article about that monkeypox is diminishing. But on college campuses and in, in a situation with a lot of roommates, et cetera, they're worried about isolation, how to deal with it, and there's a lot of confusion. I think it was a, a big deal maybe a month ago when it, it started emerging. But then, I mean, maybe in gay communities, it still remains a bit more of a concern. But I would definitely not say it's socially debilitating or that people are avoiding going out because of it too much. Max, have you been vaccinated? Have you received uh, a vaccine? For... For monkeypox. For monkeypox or for COVID? I have not. I would recommend anyone that's in a vulnerable demographic get vaccinated. And the vaccine is effective. It's a variant of the smallpox vaccine. 
Uh, it's called Lineos. That's that's the new one. It was actually developed in 2017 in the Congo, and that has evolved now into this newer version and more specific for monkeypox. But monkeypox is very much like chickenpox and and very much like smallpox. So the vaccines work. It's a two-part vaccine. And I would recommend that you or anyone listening that's in a, in a demographic that's vulnerable to get the vaccine. They're coming out actually with an oral form of this, but it's not here yet. But this would be a good protective way to prevent this. Anybody have an answer as to why they didn't take a little longer in the conference call that day and, and come up with a better name than monkeypox? It seems a little bit of a... Uh... Like Hal? Anybody beat that? Monkeypox? Anybody? No. Nope. Like they have the COVID? No. We have Omicron? No, I, oh, I'm, I guess I'm it's monkeypox. I guess it's monkeypox. It seems like they didn't spend a whole lot of time on this may be insensitive, uh, putting it out as a name. I mean, if I go, you said, David, early, we started this saying, Peter, you're embarrassed to say you have COVID. Monkeypox? Really? <laughs> it's a bigger virus than the smallpox. So to your point, Peter, uh, they could have called this big pox. L- larger, is it bigger large than pox. chicken pox? Bigger pox. Yeah. Smaller than a bread box pox. Smaller than a bread box pox. I mean, anything would seem better than monkey pox, right? Well, the worst would be flying monkey pox. I mean, I just oh, don't know how, how they came horrifying. up with it and said, we're good, we're good, we're good. Yeah, right? Right? It's very insensitive. Max, thank you very much. Did we answer your question, Dr. Kipper? Thanks, yeah, Dave. absolutely. Thank you. So there you go. Um, hopefully, we gave people some uh, actionable stuff they can do. Uh, I learned something. Do is, did you? Yeah. That's good. I always I do. You potentially... You potentially were a drug mule, which is really fascinating to me. And Laurie, I don't, Laurie, you still going to go to do the ayahuasca ceremony? Possibly. Yes. Yes. That's, that's what I thought. Dr. Kipper, thank you so much for being so well-informed. Join us next time, and hopefully we'll answer and address issues that are current and, and are important to you in a way that you can understand, because Dr. Kipper understands the reason he does this is um, because so many people have trouble accessing medical care and getting, and, and even if they can, getting the answers that they need uh, for the questions they have because today doctors are so rushed. It's such a, a, a tough environment for people and they need advocates. They need people to help direct them to answers that are actu- actually stuff that you can understand with follow-up questions. And David, thank you so much for that. We appreciate your time. My pleasure. It's always nice to be with funny people. Hmm. Hopefully one of these days you will be, Anna. If you have a question for Dr. Kipper, you can go to our website, bedsidematters.org, and leave a voicemail or submit a question. The information on Bedside Matters and the resources available for download are not intended as and should not be understood or construed as medical or health advice. The information on Bedside Matters is not a substitute for medical or health advice from a professional who is aware of the facts and circumstances of your individual situation. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your friends. We'll see you next time. Thank you.